Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Each of our episodes has a message. We interview first responders and their loved ones about their experiences, how those experiences impact their mental health and what helped them to cope through difficult times. When a first responder dies by suicide, we tend to think about grieving spouses, parents, and children left behind. On today's episode, we've brought together a panel of first responder siblings who lost their brother or sister to suicide to share the impact and significance of such a loss from their unique perspective. First of all, I want to welcome all of you guys to the podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We think, uh, you. We think you have a valuable message to share, um, and we think that this is a much-needed conversation. So if we can go around and take a moment to introduce yourself, um, introduce who your first responder is and when you lost them. My name is Stephanie Buccieri. I lost my brother, Eddie Buccieri, uh, in 2016. He was 27 years old, and he was a patrolman for the Halifax, Massachusetts Police Force. Thank you, Stephanie. Cam, Kayla? Hi, I'm Kayla Betts. Um, My brother, um, unfortunately, lost his battle to suicide in 2017. Um, He's the son of David Betts, um, who's obviously been in um, law enforcement for a very very long time. Um, So he, at the time of his um, suicide, had the hopes and dreams of working alongside my dad, but just never got the chance. Thank you for sharing that, Kayla. And I'm Cameron. I'm the little brother. Uh, But yeah, I mean, she already described David and everything. Hi, Cam. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Brad, you want to you want to go ahead? Hi, my name is Brad Bergen. I have a sister who passed away due to suicide. She had a fiance who passed away, and she died of a broken heart, but also due to suicide. And she was also a firefighter. Thank you, Brad. You're welcome. Rosemary? Hi, I'm Rosemary Strasberger. My brother was Chelsea Police Officer Robert Longo. He died on May 19th, 2016. Thank you all, guys, um, for sharing. The reason why we wanted to have you on here, um, we've, we've, I know it's hard. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you haven't shared publicly 
um, you know, about your um, loss as a sibling of a, a first responder who um, died by suicide. So, but we also feel it's very important to get the message out um, to our listeners um, how you've been dealing with your loss. Um, if anyone is comfortable sharing with us or whoever wants to take us a little bit about, share with us a little bit about your loved one. We want to know, we want to get to know a little bit about them as your sibling. I can start. Um, my brother was really known for being like the life of the party. I mean, he would light up any room that he walked in. He would smile from ear to ear and, you know, it just his smile would make you smile. He was just really like the, the best person, you know. Um, we were two years apart, two grades apart. So a lot of times we were in the same school. Um, the older we got, the more that we thought we were actually twins. There were a lot of times that we would like leave the house, you know, not, not living in the same household, but we would leave the house wearing the same clothes and we would Snapchat each other a selfie and we're like, where'd you get that shirt? I'm wearing the same one. So it was, it, it's really wild because we were just so, so close. And it, it's just, it was just me and him. Um, so he's my, only sibling and now you know I'm really the like an only child which it's uh it's really hard you know you have a sibling and they're your best friends whether you want them to be or not you know they they know everything about you you share so much DNA with them and it's so hard not having them here I I feel like it's really hard for me to celebrate my accomplishments in life because I don't have my biggest fan next to me Mm. Um, I know he's always with me I know he's always rooting for me and I always kind of think you know what would Eddie want me to do and I know that he wants me to be happy he wants me to live my fullest life and I'm just you know in in one respect I'm angry at him because he's not here with me we were supposed to do life together we were supposed to you know grow old together take care of our mom together as she gets older and now you know I feel like everything is is on my shoulders so it's been really hard without him I'm grateful for you know all the time that I did have with him I love all the memories yeah, the one thing that we try to tell to all of our, our friends and family is, you know, keep, keep talking about him. I think um, a lot of people are afraid to bring him up because they're afraid that, you know, they're going to make us sad or, you know, anything like that. But I want to hear about the memories. I want to hear about all the good times. I want to be reminded of all of it. You know, I, I, I love hearing uh, videos of him and his stupid singing. And even though it was horrible, but like, I love hearing his voice and I just miss so much of it. And it's just so hard, you know, not having your best friend anymore. And you, you can't replace that bond that you have with your sibling. Yeah. It sounds like you two are very, very close. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about that. Go into a little depth, like taking us back as kids and stuff like that. I mean, he was so mean to me as a kid, you know, like always picking on me. Like, what's up, brother? Isn't I, right? Yeah, I know on the podcast they're not going to be able to see this, but I ended up with the Bucciari nose, and uh, he always made fun of me for that. Like, oh, your nose is so big. Like, oh, thanks a lot because he didn't he didn't get that gene. Um, <laughs> and he was his skin was very fair, and mine's more of like olive skin. And as a kid, he told me I was adopted, and I believed him for so long. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even look 
like him. I'm the adopted one, but little does he know, I did do a 23 in me, and I'm not adopted. I, I am part of the family, so joke's on him now. Um, but, you know, always, like, playing pranks on each other. Um, you know, there, there was one time at, at home, something happened with our ceiling fan, and it broke. And we never really quite know what happened to it, but we're pretty sure that my brother broke it and tried to blame it on me. Um, so there was always that fight in the family of who broke that ceiling fan. So, you know, a lot of, like, teasing, picking on each other. You know, we didn't always get along. It was like normal siblings. We would butt heads a lot. Um, we're Italian, so we get that Italian temper sometimes. Um, and, you know, your blood just boils, and it's like, oh, just get away from me. So sometimes we would go days without talking, but, you know, then we'd make right up and we'd become best friends again, like always. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, you know, when you, you think about, like, sibling rivalry and, you know, putting heads with each other and pranking each other. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Um, yeah. I come from a family of, I have eight siblings. Um, there's eight of us. So we were just always chaos and craziness in our house. So, um, but I really appreciate hearing, you know, your side of, you know, the button heads and the t-shirts and pranks and pranking each other and, and that type of stuff. That's something that I didn't know about your brother, right? Or, or your story. Um, so I I really appreciate hearing that. Does anyone else yeah, want to share? Course. Thank you. Does anyone else want to share? My sister was a. It was fun. It was fun watching her do stuff growing up, and she was a dancer and a actor. As she got older, we went to Comic Con together. Oh yeah, you're into that stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I know the whole family took tra- uh, took trips together. Trips we would together. All, we would all go somewhere fun, and I think the longest trip we've ever took was to the Black Hills. The three the three of us were packed together in the back seat. Brad, can I ask you something? Yes. What is if there was one thing that you could say you missed about Caitlin, what would it be? Her smile and personality. Mm. She's always willing to help somebody. Uh, just got goosebumps when you said that. Her smile and her personality. Uh-huh. She always wanted to help somebody. It's a beautiful memory of your sister. For sure. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else want to share about I'll your... I'll do a quick... No, go ahead. Thank you, Rosemary. Yeah, you go ahead. My brother, Rob, and I were 10 years apart, which, so he is more like my son than my brother. But the good thing about that was that I do have two sons, and the three of them hung around together all the time so my brother would use my kids as an excuse to go to pokemon movies or children's movies like for the age factor since he was older and he's oh i'm taking my nephew to see a children's movie yeah well it, on. it would be cool to to go with the, the nephews right not just for himself yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. so I he wouldn't that. go alone you know yeah. i'm going to see harry potter or and they, three of them shared Star Wars. They're, they love Star Wars, all three of them. 
So that's why we were all so close because they, the three of them were so much alike. My oldest son, George, looks a lot like my brother, Robbie. Mm. And my brother, Rob, and I would go to the horse track or the casino together and stuff like that. And when we won, we always high-fived each other. Yeah. And I miss all those those days. And I truly miss him. He's been gone seven years now. Mm-hmm. Sounds like and you were pretty close, Rosemary. We were and we weren't because once he became uh, the last few years after my mom passed, um, the emotion of losing my mom really set into him emotionally and mentally. And that's when he started um, turning. You could tell he was getting, um, I don't know how to put it, mentally. He was not as friendly anymore. He was taking on a, a different persona. Mm-hmm. I begged him to get help, and he wouldn't get help. Yeah, sounds like he was so struggling. Stigma, stigma, as we say. Yeah. He was too too tough a guy. You know, he was tough. He was going to ride it out. And then a week before he, he passed away, mm-hmm. his friend, another Chelsea officer, uh, was killed in a motorcycle accident. And I think that put my brother over the edge. Yeah. And he left us the day they buried that young man. But wow. my brother was a wonderful guy, and I love to see him in my dreams because I almost feel as if he's really here when he comes to me in my dreams. He gives me a hug and says, I love you. Well, those dreams are real, Rosemary. I think that I feel they are. Well, I really they, do. Well, you they just feel real. They are real, for sure. Yeah. Coming to you, yeah. for sure. Yes. Thank you for sharing um, Thank you with for us listening. a little bit about your brother. And um, Thank you. I know we're, we're going to talk a lot more um, into this. Kayla, I want to yeah. give you and Cam an opportunity to, to chime in. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Perfect. I guess I'm going to be the one to talk. Cam gave me the, the go-ahead. Cam gave you the go-ahead? Yeah, the that's, green light. That's okay. You, you fire away, love. Um, I guess I can just piggyback, I guess, off of what the others said. Um, and Stephanie, I guess, more or less. With just, like, the age gap um, and, like, the relationship and bond, um, I think it's something that, uh, like, a lot of people don't understand. I remember back when David first passed, a lot of people that were in my life, like, friends asked me, you know, oh, you know, you guys were really that close, Um, you know, and, yeah, we were incredibly close. We were two and a half years apart. Um, All three of us are on either end. Um, and I think for me, like just being the middle and being the only girl, I can't speak for Kim cause I know it's very different, you know, for both of us. Um, you know, he was actually like my first best friend, like all of my memories for the first almost three years of my life, um, were with him and looking back on everything when he did pass, like all of our pictures were together. He was always to like my right side. He was always holding me. Um, you know, like coddling me, just like being like a, a big brother, a protector. Protect, um, yeah. And he was definitely like the happiest person in whatever room he went into. So it was a very big, very big surprise and unfortunate. Um, because it was just very unexpected. Yeah. Just because of how happy and strong that he was always yeah. um for everybody else. Did he goof around with you? 
Yeah, all the time. You know, he was a little bit softer and gentler with me because I was the girl. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was like the little princess of the house, but I grew up and I always said I have like three dads because he was extremely strict and hard on me. Um, <laughs> so when I lost him, I really did feel like, you know, even to this day, I feel like I lost a very big part of my heart. Yeah. Um, and like everything as life goes on, you know, you you kind of go through different moments and, you know, moments of like success or failure or whatever. Um, and life changes, you know, right now, currently I'm pregnant. Um, I don't know if my parents have told you guys, um, oh. but I, it's my oh. first and it's a boy. So it really, really hit home for me. Um, and it's just always something that I really pictured him being here for, like all those big major life events. So you definitely feel it more as you get older, I think. Um, which is a lot of, it's a big misunderstanding to other people that haven't necessarily gone through like a big major loss because yeah. they think it gets easier. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah. you know, the, the thing is, is that you as a sibling, um, it really, this is why we felt it was so important for all of you siblings, um, to do this when myself and Jay talked about it. Um, it was something that I know. Um, having, you know, siblings or kids, um, we sort of just get pushed aside as far as, you know, being the suicide loss survivor and being able to deal with it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, not being understood. You know, you're supposed to be able to just pick up and go on as go if, right on. go right, right on. And, and that's really not the case. So right. it is important for to get your message out there um, to everybody. Um, that, you know, you are human, you have feelings, and you're going to go through all different stages of grieving um, your loved ones, just like your parents, um, your parents have, or, or anyone else that has been involved uh, has, has the loss of this, your loved one. Um, Cam, yeah. do you want to chime in? Are you, are you, are you okay or no? I mean, I'm surely I'm good. Yeah, you're, you're good in. All right. Um, I mean, here you are. I mean, this is a very unique um, situation that we have on here because Cam and Kayla lost their, their brother, um, David. Um, and, you know, yeah, they live in the same house, household, but you're both grieving very differently, right? Um, I assume. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So share with us a little bit, Cam, about, you know, your your brother and why he was like to you as the, as the big brother. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was my best friend. I'm already going to get emotional, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's my best friend. Um, we did everything together, movies, baseball, sports, um, talking about girls and anything and everything that brothers do. We did, uh, always included me in everything. Obviously, it still hurts, but uh, I try to keep, like, a positive attitude, but it's tough. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I got a tattoo of him on my chest to kind of leave a permanent mark because just, like, that's how close you were. So I have a portrait of him on my chest above my heart. Uh, yeah, it's tough day to day because, like, I don't know. He was always there to help and, uh, Tend to get down on myself and negative and 
I grieve, I guess, in a way of wanting success and achieving things and striving for great things, but uh, it also turns into, like, a bad side of, like, anger at yourself for not doing anything or your timeline or feeling as if you're doing enough or leaving your mark on the world. Yeah. Uh, But obviously, my brother did, and uh, I want to be able to do that for other people and, I don't know, take care of people. Sorry. Cam, you don't ever have to apologize. Um, I want to come through the camera and give you a hug, though. It's, it's obviously a um, circumstantially a very difficult loss when when someone loses a loved one to suicide. And I'm wondering uh, if there were resources available, if any of you guys sought out resources. And if you did, um, what was available and, and was it helpful? Anybody that, that wants to field that one, if anyone. I'll go first, I guess. Yeah. Um, it took me a few years, like to realize, like maybe talking to somebody's beneficial. I wanted to do it on my own terms, not be feeling I need you to just because somebody's telling me I should. Um, so I always use it as a personal. I like to say this is probably the best I've been since everything happened because I get like to kind of work on things and kind of have a mindful space and the mindset to improve myself. It's also already the worst thing that's happened to me. So I journal daily, um, mm. listen to podcasts. Mental health. Um, if there's anything like that, and I have a therapist now, so that's fairly new. So we'll see how that goes. But it's it's good to talk to somebody. I mean, that doesn't really know you or your family or your circumstances. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cam journaling must be a huge help for you because even if you weren't, I mean, you said it's very new for you to be speaking to somebody, but journaling, you're able to put it all down on paper. Um, yeah. let it go not hold it in inside so um, yeah. definitely it's a great tool um, to be able to to help with that for sure anyone else want to share I even do talk- I oh sorry even, even talking with the siblings helps talking with siblings help Brad a little bit yeah yeah how has it helped you because they're Going through the same thing I'm going through. Yeah. Do you, do you talk to anyone outside, like a therapist? No. No? You haven't felt a need to that? No, not yet, anyways. Not yet, anyway. Not ready. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else want to share? I wanted to say I do go to therapy every month. This is Rosemary. I'm just saying it for our listeners. Yes. Um, yes. Rosemary, you go, to, you go to therapy? I do. I go every month to see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or a therapist yeah. because I'm, you know, I don't know, it's hard to deal with. Has it's it been the, helpful for you? Uh, yeah, but still going. Okay. Yeah, probably a lifetime thing now at my age. All right. But it, you need it. You, I need it. I need it. You know, it's a heartbreaking situation when you lose somebody in that way. It's a lot different than if they were sick and yeah. you knew they were. But when they hide it for so long, and then all of a sudden they're just gone. They're just not there anymore. It's a difficult situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing, Thank Rosemary. Thank you for listening. Steph? I think 
well, not I think, I know, for um, for a while, I wouldn't talk to anyone about it. I think I was more wor- worried about my mom and, you know, being strong for my mom because she was the one that found my brother. So I know that, you know, she has that image in her head that she's never going to be able to shake. So I always felt like I needed to be strong for her, and I took care of her before I took care of myself. And my mom was the one who came across um, Blue Help, First Help, Um, and she really had an interest in going to the family weekend and I didn't want to go because I felt like she was forcing me to go into therapy and if I was going to do therapy I wanted to do it on my own terms but I knew how important it was and she really really wanted to go to the family weekend so uh, a couple years ago I just you know sucked it up and I'm like all right mom you're not going to go if I don't go so I went with her and I feel bad now that I didn't want to go because it, it, I think it it really did change my life in such a good way. Um, Just like Brad said, you know, connecting with the other siblings, it, it, it means so much because they're really the only ones who understand how we feel every day, you know, and even though our stories are so different, they're so similar and we can just all relate to each other. And There's so many times, you know, we have each other's emails, phone numbers, Facebook, you know, and anytime, you know, I'll just shoot someone a a random text. Like there's times I'll randomly text Brad and just be like, how's it going? You know, we may not really talk about much, but we just say like, hey, is everyone good? Battle check, you know, just do a check in, make sure that everyone's okay. We're all hanging in there. And if anyone needs to talk, we, we know that we're all there for each other. Stephanie, can you share with us, you mentioned First Help uh, and Diana Dinners. For our listeners, um, share with us what First Help is about. (laughs) It's just a, man, it's a great organization. It gives, um, you know, resources to the grieving families. Um, You know, we got a a care package that had this beautiful, beautiful blanket with, you know, my brother's name embroidered in it. And it's it's just a a great resource for um, just all the grieving families. And it gives uh, the resources to everyone, you know, to to really like honor and respect our loved ones because their, their lives did matter. You know, it's, it's not how their lives ended. It's really how, how they lived and it's to, to honor them, to celebrate their life and to continue their legacy. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, and it's it's basically um, an organization, um, First Help, who um, offer resources and help to families who have lost a first responder to suicide. Um, so the honor dinner um, every year, I just want to sort of explain it to our, to our listeners every year, um, First Help um, invite families. Um, it's usually to Texas, right? Dallas, right? Um, Texas to... Um, get together basically to honor our loved ones, um, to honor them by how they lived, not by how they died. So they make a very big deal out of this. But also, while they're there, um, groups are formed, like sibling groups, parent groups, children groups, spouse groups, um, you know, widows um, or first responders. And there's sort of group therapy breakout sessions. Um, Kate, uh, St- Stephanie, you you've experienced that. Rosemary, I don't know if you've been to, you've been to Dallas, yeah. So, share with us um, a little bit about that. Those breakout sessions, Brad. I know you've been there too. Um, 
Share with us a little bit about what those breakout sessions were like for you, you know, first time being involved in a group session, being able to talk about your loved one openly. Well, we all, I thought it was wonderful because each session focused on something different and how we ourselves could help ourselves yeah. in dealing with the, whether it be um, by smelling incense, which the gentleman made us little bottles of incense, uh, a healing stone to rub to make better memories and not live on the negative side of things. But we got to share with each other. All the siblings were crying with each other and telling each other our stories. So it was very emotional that we ended up being able to lean on each other in the different rooms and groups. Yeah. And by the end, we named ourselves the siblings and we have a chat room. And when we all check in with each other all the time. So the first help organization, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have been able to do any of this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All of us. It was a wonderful weekend where we got to meet each other, but we became a family and we got some great pictures to prove it. Yeah. It was a wonderful weekend to help us help ourselves. Stephanie, what was it like for you to, to be able to make a connection with other siblings, like in those group sessions, like for me, making a connection with other parents has been like life changing. So what's, what's that experience like for you? I feel like it made me a stronger person because like, but before I went to the the family weekends, I like never, ever spoke about my brother. You know, I, I almost felt a lot of shame because of how he died. And um, I think with, with my brother, it's maybe a little different than some of the others, but also a, li- a bit similar because we didn't see any signs. And even looking back, there's no signs. And, you know, my, my mom and I will kind of wonder, oh, why did this happen? Um, and we'll, we'll never get that answer. We're, we're never going to know why. But, um, you know, th- th- there were there were just no signs. And then when you're at the, the family weekend, you talk to the other families and you realize, wow, we didn't see any signs either. So it, it really normalizes it that, you know, it, there this is an, an epidemic. Um, I'm we're not the only families that went through this other families experienced something very very similar and it's just it's so tragic and such a difficult loss but being able to share your feelings with other people who understand it it it, it means a lot and you don't get the judgment that you would get from someone from the outside you know we had a lot of people say oh you know Eddie was so funny and always so positive and he was just hiding his depression and you know we don't really think it was that because he he wasn't a depressed person he didn't have any signs or symptoms of depression so it's uh it's just nice being able to connect with with the other families and you know like like rosemary said we have this group chat and we're just always checking on each other because um the the siblings are really the forgotten ones you know people always remember the parents and the spouses or the kids but no one ever remembers us as siblings so it's nice for us to have the siblings group because we remember each other and we check in on each other and make sure that we're all good yeah i i totally agree with you that's why we have you on here tonight is because we want to make sure that you're not forgotten and that your message is out there and put out there that you are experiencing a loss of a loved one also 
and it's important for you to be able to go through that grieving process also. Kayla and Cam, um, you haven't been to Dallas yet, right? No, no. My mom um, and dad wanted us to go this year, I think, but I'll be too pregnant by the time you guys go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was actually the first year I was kind of maybe considering it um, just because I, I mean, I'm very like um, stubborn, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't spoken to anybody in terms of like a therapist or really any, um, you know, like group settings. This is kind of like the first thing I've really ever done. Um, to kind of elaborate on how I feel and what I deal with day to day. Yeah. Just because I feel, I don't know. I think I cope a little bit different. Um, I definitely grieve a lot differently. Um, and I can agree with Stephanie when everything happened, um, with our family, you know, I'll never forget like the day I went home. I kind of, I instinctively knew that my brother had already passed without anybody telling me. Um, I don't really know how or why, And when I got home and I just kind of saw the scene that was at my house, like really the sole focus just because of who my brother always was in terms of like protecting us and doing what he could for our parents. Um, I knew I was, you know, next in line more or less. So I kind of have always, I deal with my, my feelings. Like I internalize them um, and I kind of do it on my own off to the side. Um, But my focus was really, you know, my parents and my younger brother, just because, I knew it wasn't just me. Like, it wasn't just my older brother and I. You know, at the time, I had a younger brother, and obviously, I still do, but he's older now. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was just like an instinct. You know, I don't really, I haven't really thought about myself. Um, mm. I still kind of don't think of it that way. I, I worry about my parents a lot every day um, and my yeah. brother. Now that my life is changing and I'm, like, becoming a mom, I've definitely thought about, obviously, you know, what's best for this next chapter. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you'll see me hear from me. Yes. I don't know. Well, I feel that for such a young lady, um, you have such a great head on your shoulders. Um, you know, and just the, even the way you're speaking there, you know, about you processing, you know, the loss of your brother, um, that you're dealing with your own way and obviously taking on the role of, um, sort of like a fixer taking care of your parents right watching out for your parents yeah, and your little brother fixer, yeah you're taking on the role of a fixer I can relate with that in um in a big way um you know for me I want to share with you a little bit for me when you know when we lost Alex um I definitely have the I'm the mom right so I took on the role of, of the fixer in our house um that's what I always did right um mm-hmm. but I also found that I wasn't allowing myself to to go through any sort of grieving process and um, it pushed it aside because I had to take care of everyone else. I had to make sure everyone else was, was okay. And that was sort of my way of dealing with it or pushing my own pain um, oh, and our anger or um, sadness or whatever that I was feeling. I was pushing all that aside um, and the way I did was successfully be able to do that was to sort of take care of everybody else because I didn't matter and I'll deal with my own stuff when all this is good. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's, I think that's my mentality most days. Yeah, 
<laughs> so, um, you know, it's really only, you know, the past, I don't know, maybe year or so since actually going to Dallas and um, being in the group with other parents and realizing, whoa, I am... Um, I definitely don't have balance in my life for sure. Mm. And um and I'm worn out and I need to start taking care of me and uh, or having some part of me put in that picture also. Um and it was okay to do that. So um and yeah, it's, it's only maybe the past 2 years um that I started to allow me to, to do that in, in a small way. Um I'm still the fixer. I still, you know, take on that role. Um, but I've allowed to put myself in there also in that mix, which is much more healthier than what I was doing before, pushing myself into work, constantly working, 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 um, just to avoid any any feeling that I was going through. Um, so, yeah, but I think that you have a great head on your shoulders just by looking at things of him maybe this year and I'm becoming a mom that I can start looking at a different um, outlet um, yeah, different outlook, I think, for sure. Yeah. How about yourself, Cam? Like, losing your brother. Um, you know, how have, how have you been? I know you've been... I, it's been tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, you know? Like, I kind of tend to internalize a lot. I'm able to help other people and kind of... What I do daily, like, from learning and trying to teach myself, it's easier for me to teach others after I learn versus take it for myself. Um I do, I beat myself up daily, honestly, with goals and ambitions and such. Uh, always asking, like, can I do this or that? And not really choosing what I want or making decisions. So that's, I'm still figuring things out, I think, and kind of, I still need to develop more and get more help or more efficient help. You know, it's still a struggle here and there. We need to talk offline later on. Yeah. Me and you. <laughs> um, but but I, I get that, you know, sort of setting yourself goals and different, different you yeah. know, ways of what you want to achieve and, and different things. I mean, Jay, you can relate with that, right? Yes, ma'am, I sure can. Kayla mentioned sort of instinctually knowing that there was a loss in the family and, and how she dealt with the grief. Is there anybody else that's comfortable talking about um, about the initial impact what role grief played in your life, how you were able to cope with it and, and move through that initial process. May I start? You Please. sure can. So I was living at, uh, I was in my first year of college at Bryant university. Freshman, and uh, I actually texted, I, I was big in the gym. My brother was big in the gym. And I actually texted him that morning. Hey, I need your help. I want to get big. And then I never heard anything. <laughs> yeah. And I never heard anything. It took a few hours. And usually he would answer right away or something. Um, the way I found out wasn't the best case for me to find out, but also wasn't intentional on the person. Um, so I called my dad right away, asked him, hey, what's wrong? Everything okay? Blah, blah, blah. And he just said, nah, I'm coming to get you. Mm. And then uh, I just knew right away that it wasn't good. So that's kind of how I, I kind of, it was kind of weird how I asked for help that morning when he needed help. I always think of it like that, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that kind of like, that's always in the back of my head. Yeah. Take a deep breath there, Cam. Oh, yeah. 
Does anyone else want to chime in there? Every time Cam talks, I cry. Oh my God. Jeez. <laughs> I feel like, you know, even though my brother and I were really close, I mean, I didn't have that instinct at all. Like it was the last thing I ever would have thought that happens. Um, it was kind of like a, a crazy 24 hours leading up to the whole incident. Um, you know, he was with his girlfriend, you know, he was in a really like healthy, beautiful relationship and I was really happy for him. I loved his girlfriend. She was so good for him and they were just great together and, you know, he wanted to marry her and everything. So I was like really happy for him. I was rooting for him and they had gone out drinking the night before and I, I don't know if he just drank too much or whatever, but he was like really angry. Um, and he was, you know, downtown Boston and he started like punching brick walls and stuff like that. And, you know, his like arm was all cut open and everything. And he, uh, he didn't live with, um, me and my mom. He, he had his own condo, but it was like two in the morning and he comes storming into our house and wakes up everyone in the house. And I needed to be at work in the morning, you know? So I was so mad because I'm like, why did you wake everyone up? What's your problem? And I look at him and I just see his giant gash on his arm and he's, you know, bleeding all over our carpets and everything. And I'm like, you need to like, go take a shower and go to bed. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but like, who do you think you are waking us up like that? So I was so mad at him, but I told him, I'm like, take a shower, go to sleep, sleep it off. Off. and we don't know if he just continued drinking or whatever it was we don't really know like what made him snap but he seemed like he was in this very like manic state and we just didn't know why um so I go to work the next day and um you know I'll, you could you know talk to my mom and she could give you her side of the story of what happened throughout the day because I really you know I wasn't there I was at work but um like my work phone was ringing off the hook and I was in the next cubicle because I was in the middle of training and I'm like, let me, let me go see who's calling me like that. And it was between my mom and one of our family friends. They were just calling me nonstop until I answered. So finally I grabbed my mom's call and I'm like, mom, what's up? And she's like, you need to come home. It's your brother. And I'm like, oh, geez, what's he doing now? Mm -hmm. So I pack up all my stuff, go home. I get to my house and it's all taped off and there's, you know, police there and everything. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Um, and someone had said to me like, Oh, um, didn't you hear Eddie shot himself? And I'm thinking like, Oh, he shot himself in the foot. Like that's my first instinct. I'm like, oh, he shot himself in the foot. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but okay. Like dumbass. So, I don't know if I could say that, but yeah, <laughs> like I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, and then I'm like, well, how come we're all at the house? Why aren't we at the hospital? And one of the police officers there was just like, Oh, you didn't hear. And he was oh. so casual about it. And I'm like, didn't hear what? And then I put the pieces together and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I couldn't talk to my mom. I couldn't talk to my brother's girlfriend because the police were like interviewing them. And I remember being so mad because I'm like, how come the police are talking to them, but they're not talking to me? I'm his sister. What the heck? So it was like right off the bat, I already felt like I was forgotten and invisible and like no one cared about me, but I was so confused about what was going on and then again stupid me I had a cat at the time and I'm like oh all the doors to the house are open the poor cat he probably ran outside and he's old and probably scared so they let me go in the house 
Cap's locked in the bathroom. He's fine. And I go out the back door and I look and I saw the scene. Um, there was no body, but I saw, you know, everything else. And I just remember like falling to my knees and just screaming because like I, I saw the proof essentially and all the pieces were put together. And I was like, what the hell happens? So it's uh, it's so strange that I didn't have that instinct and I had no idea. And it, it, it really haunts me a lot, just, you know, th- like seeing that scene. But I would probably be in disbelief to this day if I didn't see it. But, you know, like I said earlier, I, I think of my mom a lot because she did see the body. You know, she she found him. She's the one who had to call 911. And I, I feel worse for my mom because that's like trauma that she's never going to be able to get rid of. And, you know, I'm lucky, I guess you could say, if that's even like a a word that you could apply to this situation. But, you know, my mom definitely got the the worst of it. Cam, I could see you nodding there while Stephanie was talking. Could you relate um, with when she said, right off the bat, I felt invisible when she was, when she used those words, I could see you sort of nodding a little bit. Were you relating with that? I could relate with a few things. I mean, in terms of like her being at the scene, my brother uh, just passed away like the right term. Mm-hmm. They passed away uh, where I used to work. It was in the parking lot where I used to work. We used to work out a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just left there two years ago. And I always thought that was a good place for me to be. But subconsciously, it, it kind of snuck up on me that it's like not good to be there. And then mm-hmm. trauma in terms of being invisible. I often felt like invisible to like my parents or um, like it was always about what happened, but she still had like, we there's still two children. So I always felt like we were invisible in terms of like trying to move on together or grow together and like their struggles, be a family again and kind of still have happiest moments creating and all that stuff. Right. So still be able to um, have that connection like, as a like family, right? Family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chime in, I think a lot of it um, comes from obviously like how Stephanie said her mom found um, her brother. Obviously, you know, my dad uh, went and he was the one that responded um, before it ended up being a call um, who found my brother. Um, and I th- like I go back to that day because I was honest, I was in school at Salem State at the time. And it's kind of a like the first, that was the first major loss in my life. Um, I lost a great grandmother when I was like seven. So I didn't really know what death was. So I didn't know what I was feeling when I was feeling it. I just knew that, you know, he wasn't answering my phone, my phone, like my text messages, but he was always readily available. Like he would not ever have an excuse for not answering us for nothing. Um, So when my dad, you know, I was in the middle of a midterm and I ended up getting kicked out of my class because my professor thought I was cheating. Um, and in that moment, I just, I knew something was so wrong. And then my dad, he, his like last message to me was, um, you know, like, I, I love you. And then I didn't hear from him. Um, and in those, in that brief, I think it was like, it really wasn't long at all. It was like 1030 in the morning. I had just gotten back from a vacation. So I briefly saw my older brother the day before everything happened. Um, it was just kind of like the, I don't, it, like this unfamiliar, unlively, like feeling, yeah. um, I still really can't describe it. 
Um, and I just think because obviously of what, you know, my father does for a living um, and his own like trauma, like from day one, just being on the force and everything he sees normally, I just don't think, you know, you never, he always says like, he's never been prepared for a call, you know, where it would be his son. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we obviously don't understand because we're not police officers. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of like, especially my mom and like just their relationships and them being parents, like they really, you know, they really try and they give it their all. And, you know, we still go with nothing. Like we never ask or have to ask for anything. They'll do anything for us. Yeah. Um, and we're obviously grown. We're not children anymore. Um, but I just think it's very hard for them to understand. Like we, like we are here and we make a, a conscious effort every day to try to, you know, we have the rest of our lives to live. I've always told my parents that, you know, I have 70 more years without my brother, which is 70 years that I never planned for. And it's a lot longer than the rest of their lives, but they've also they had my brother for a lot longer in another way. So it's just kind of like trying to find the balance of like, how do you all move forward when we also are all very different, but we're all together and, you know, trying to, do things that obviously, you know, something as simple as like a family vacation, like my dad really struggles with um, because he's not here, yeah. but it's kind of like, we'd still deserve that piece of you. Um, so it's definitely, it's a, it's a journey. I think a lot of things are like very unknown too, until you get to certain parts of it. Yeah. Have you ever been able to express that to your parents? Uh, yeah, we do. He does. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I try to, I don't want them to feel attacked. Yeah. Um, so I don't really, you know, they'll feel very, like they end up feeling guilty and that's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, but I just think, you know, now this whole, like my whole pregnancy is this really all I can think of and speak of at this moment. Cause it's like the biggest event thus far, um, has really changed them already. Um, you know, from the moment they found out as a little boy, I just think it's something like we are able to, you know, celebrate and look forward to. And I think it's definitely something um, where there'll be more opportunities to kind of have our family be whole again in a way. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm interested to see just how the dynamic changes after, you know, you, you have this little boy and you know, it kind of brings a piece of him back in a way, I guess. Yeah. Well, it brings, you know, a young, a young um, baby, um, brings joy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to, yes. to the world, right? Um, so, yeah, I can see what you're, you're trying to get at is that you're hoping that the, the baby brought into the world will be, bring joy to your family or some, some, some joy to your family that you can all experience together. Yeah. All of you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that, guys. Um, I want to ask you a question. What would you like to see if it, if it was if it was ideal, if there was something that's missing, that has been missing in your healing? Um, if you even haven't started to heal yet, that going, going through that process, what would you like to see as far as resources available to you as siblings? Um what would you like to see available to you? That's like, say, hey, someone to come to you and say, 
call this number. This is where you're going to be able to get help um, right away um, or be able to talk to somebody. What, what resources would you like to see available to you as siblings or as a family as a whole? I think things like this are good. Um, at first, I was always like hesitant on talking to other people because you don't really know yeah. what people say or think. And I tend to speak very emotionally and very open with how I feel and think in my mindset and stuff. Um, and some people can, are open to that. Some people are not closed-minded but um, have a different viewpoint on life. But I think hosts like you guys, you kind of make it easier to kind of talk to other people, open up. And uh, feel heard, feel compassion towards, which a lot of people lack towards some people, compassion. Because I've lost friends who didn't really understand my grief, nor did I know my grief. Um, and they thought I was just being annoying or asking yeah. the same questions over and over again or not really being confident. Uh, so I think compassion that you guys provide and other resources could be a crucial thing for people like us, you know? Yeah. So to connect them with a, um, a group um, that have gone through the same experience as you, even though it's a very, we're all different, we're all human, so we all go through grieving or of a lost loved one, especially to suicide in a very different way. Um, but connecting um, with other siblings is definitely helpful. They get it, you know, and, and what's, I wouldn't say it's beautiful, but it is beautiful about it is that there's no judgment um, and I'm not going to say, oh, here goes Cam talking or whatever again. That's not what happens. Um, it's a, you know, connecting with those siblings is a, a really good thing. So I'm hoping, I mean, this is your first time connecting with the siblings, right? Or some of the siblings um, group from True First Help. So I'm hoping that maybe you'll continue to be part of that group and be able to connect and in, in every now and again and be able to also still continue on your journey of healing, Cam. Anyone else want to share like what resources that you might would love to see be put in place um, to help you guys that has been missing? I think really just like any kind of like outlet, you know, I think it's important to, to talk about it. It's uh, it's really hard to, to start talking and it's very, very emotional, but the more you do it, I, I think it, it makes you stronger and it helps you to relive a lot of the, the good memories. And like I said, just kind of like share their legacy with the world because we don't want them to be forgotten. And if you don't talk about them, they will be forgotten. So it's, it's really important that, you know, we, we, we speak up. And I don't think we really have a lot of opportunities to be able to just speak freely. So it's like that's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about First Help is that they, they bring us together and they give us those outlets. They give us these these groups so that we're, we're able to, to do that. And I think it's it's really for me, it's helped a lot with my healing, just being able to connect with the, the other siblings. And, you know, every now and then we just kind of go in the group chat and say, hey, give us a good memory of your sibling and we all just kind of spit something out. So it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So making the connection with others is definitely what has been key for you. Sounds like. Yeah. Um, as far as a first responder, um, some of you know a struggle, um, in, in your loved one. Um, Rosemary, I know you, you noticed, um, you know, your brother was, um, down after the loss of your of your mom and um 
you know, there was others that stared, there was no signs, there was no signs of, of any of that. But now that you know what you know, um, you know, trying to, we're, we're hope beyond the badge. So what we're trying to do here um, by doing this podcast is to break the stigma uh, in, right. in departments for first responders to make it easier for them to be able to go and seek help um, and talk about their own struggles openly without feeling weak or being judged um, by peers or, or sometimes if they're a police officer, maybe fear of losing their job. Um, and so if there, were, if there was anything that you would like to see implemented in departments um, for first responders, is there any, any suggestions that you would have put out there that you want to put out there? I think it, it really should start with the departments because my, I remember that day so well. I was in a wheelchair. I'd broken my leg. And all I saw through my window was like six police officers at my front door. And I was home by myself. And, you know, it's like there wasn't much emotion to them for me. It was like, oh, you know, your brother killed himself. And I was like, what? And wow. it's like there's not as much empathy as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. They really need to have maybe, uh, I don't know, a person from the church or somebody with that would understand that that's not exactly the kind of news you want to get, you know, as a matter of fact, we have something to tell you. That's not the way it is. This so you, is a heartbreaking situation. So more compassion. Definitely. Very yeah. high level. Yeah. It's like 98%. It was a very shocking day for me. And, you know, to come out with that, the way they came out with it was like so matter of fact. And I was home by myself. Yeah. So, you know. So that had to be way, really hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, I couldn't even, I was so disillusioned. I couldn't even find my phone on my own to call, you know, my husband home and my kids home. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, you know, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> it was just, what? What just happened? You know, I mean, it's like something they dealt with every day. And I, I know mm-hmm. they don't. <laughs> and our department, of course, there was um, Cam and his brother and then my brother before that from the same department, you know. Yeah. So I guess it, it's pretty heartbreaking. Way. I don't know. So you would like to see some resources available to families um, to send someone out that maybe could possibly spend some time with you, um, offer you comfort. Two minutes, two minutes. Because I literally said to the captain that was there at the time, I said, not one person from your squad has come up to say anything to me or say they're sorry or anything, which is very unusual because usually, you know, they are flooded. Oh, nobody's come up to say anything. You know, it was very depressing that there was no respect yeah it was almost a matter of fact yeah another one's gone you know i almost felt like there was like oh it's a new job opening Hmm. maybe my brother wasn't that well liked i don't know i heard he was loved i don't know Hmm. 
I'm sorry, Rosemary. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, supposedly he was blocked, but it was just the way it was done. It was not with the utmost, you know, sympathy, Mm -hmm. you know, and that makes it even more depressing for the family. That's why I think that should be available, you know, not because his he did, his mother wasn't alive or his didn't have a wife, but he still had family. Yeah, you know, but I don't think that's taken into account. Yeah. So, if there was the resources, did your brother go and seek help within his department, Rosemary? He did not. Okay. He did not. No, I know he did not. And I do believe they need to be aware of that on all their offices. You know, because, you know, people change. Help. Yeah. If you can notice a little change in someone, you know, ask them if they, I do it at my job all the time. You know, if I notice somebody is a little off, I'll say, do you need, need help or something? Because you'll notice they're a little depressed or something. I ask my people. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to get them a psychiatrist, but just to show that I care in case they're going through a rocky time. Yeah. You know. Rosemary, you thanks, for, thanks for sharing um, that with us because it is important to get that message out there that, um, you know, family are going through shock, right, disbelief, and... Um, confusion, conflict of emotions yes. going through uh, everything all at once and um, and then it starts all over again in a, in a, a whole cycle. And uh, so, yeah, it is important to sort of be aware of that, um, you know, maybe a little bit of comfort would have been um, um, a better way of sort of you being able to receive such devastating news. Um, yeah. You know, in in a way. So, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's important thank to you. to share those things for sure. Does anybody thank else you. like want to chime in? Like, what would you like to see in departments? Um, for like your loved one, first responders in general. Um, you know, for our listeners who are out there, what would what would you like to see that would make it easier for them to be able to talk about what they're going through? Are they struggling? May I speak? You sure can. So, I mean, I don't know what police officers go through on a day-to-day basis, but just understanding my dad um, is really trying to, like, implement things throughout the country and strategies and ways of um, training, coping and training and such. Awareness. Um, And I think it takes a leader to be able to go through what we've all been through to kind of make that change happen. And uh, and I've seen more things on the news or billboards or uh, messages of like mental health awareness, uh, awareness for officers, firefighters, anything of that nature. Um, Obviously, just regular people. people. Um, So I think like it's, I feel like there's like a tide turning of it's becoming less stigmatized. Mm. It's so, I don't say normal, but just the way society is on social media. Um, I think people are becoming aware, a bit more aware of it day by day. Obviously it's, uh, it sucks that we've kind of been through it, but not really understanding it prior. But, uh, I think that's kind of how like, 
how things change as people come. He's a certain like kind of person, I guess, more or less. But, um, I, I feel like there's a lot of people also in families, you know, whether they're first responders or not, um, that are in the dark. Um, they feel as though, you know, like there's nobody there or around and nobody that understands and we feel like nobody understands. Um, you're not going to speak out and you're not also, you're also not going to speak like your testimony. Like I always say like my brother's story is, you know, my testimony now, it's something that I, I struggle with, but I'm very proud. You know, I, it's not shameful. And I think uh, once you get past that, like feeling so ashamed or, you know, mad and angry or, you know, guilty, and you're more confident in your story that it's okay to say, Hey, you know, yes, he, he did have depression or he struggled with mental health or he didn't. And this still happened. I think other people are becoming more aware and confident in themselves to say, Hey, you know what? Like, wait, like I don't have a good day every day. Like I am struggling. I do struggle with this. And if it takes, unfortunately, you know, losing my brother, to kind of make myself more aware of how common it is. I think it was like something I was never ready for, but I think it was meant, I guess, to happen to us or, you know, to any of us involved. Um, just because so many people won't speak up. Yeah. Um, I totally get what you're saying, Kayla. Um, you know, at the beginning, losing Alex and, you know, I'm not a sibling, I'm I'm mom, but those same feelings arose in me um, in, initially. You know, if someone would ask me, um, you know, how we lost Alex, um, it, I, I would just say we, we lost him. Um, yeah. And we have a picture up here in the cafe and that's sort of where that would in general happen on a daily basis. And I, I wouldn't say how we lost him. I, it was a lot of shame, like that stigma of st- saying the word suicide, um, yeah. you know, went along with it. And, and they might think it's our fault, you know, that type of way. Like yeah, what what people... backlash. Yeah, like what people thought of, came a family that had mental health struggles or, you know, there were depression, the, yeah. all those type of things. So... Um, but it was it was really being around for me being around other first responders on a daily basis. They come in to the cafe every day, and um, for me to be able to sort of speak and chat with them, um, that was sort of helpful for me to say, "Oh my God, um, yeah, they get it." And not only Alex was struggling; um, there's a lot more of others struggling too, and. Um, and I, I just got this overwhelming feeling of that things weren't going to change if yeah. if we weren't going to speak about it openly, um, about suicide, about Alex's loss, about your your sibling's loss. Um, so I decided to turn my energy into, um, you know, doing something about it. And, and that was talking. I'm good at talking because I'm Irish. But anyway. <laughs> um, don't laugh at me. Um, yes, ma'am. But the the thing is, I yeah, I, I can talk a lot. So, but the thing is, is that it was just being in my heart, know that that was the right feeling and it was the right thing to do was to be talking about it, so that we could help yeah. others, and um and it has turned into this, it has turned into a a podcast, um and 
making it easier just really to be have an open raw conversation about mental health in general in first response um and then you know dealing with our own mental health of dealing with the meaning or uh, the grieving after a uh, loss of a, a loved one um so yeah making it easier but i think that in general like in being able to make it easier for folks to talk in their departments is where i'm going but i'm babbling on here now jay do you want to chime in there I don't th- does anybody else have anything that that they want to add any type of like you know message that that you feel important is to you know you want to get out go ahead bud okay I enjoy talking so um oh come you're like me then <laughs> I guess so I could kind of chime off with the stigma of everything when everything happened with my brother I went to the gym that night uh, I always thought of it as like a way to kind of hold him close to me but there was a person who knew my brother and I, and I was walking down the stairs and I'll never forget it. And, uh, he said, what happened here? Did a homeless guy kill himself? And that was, that was that day. And it, I didn't say, I could have, I could have went off. I could have went bananas, could have fought him, anything. But I was, I've always been a person like leading with love. And obviously I don't, I don't know what suicide was at the time or I knew what it was, but I didn't know how deep it would affect me. And I, I just knew right off the bat that he didn't understand, uh, what happened or why not that any of us know why but just the idea of like just the stigma that oh he just he just killed himself it's just like that um and later that day he called me and was more aware of like not the deeper meaning or um anything like that just like he was i guess he became aware of people go through things even the happiest person the biggest guy in the gym um things do occur in people's lives and uh, not everybody knows how or what to do to cope with it or resources or anything like that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Well, of course. Are there any other, the are there any other like burning desires? Is there anybody that has a part of this story that we didn't naturally touch upon that, that they want to share about their experience or their loved one? No, but I do want to add one thing. I am in the city of Chelsea, and I do want to add that recently we had a whole new change in our city, and and we have a wonderful new captain who is trying to get the word out there about suicide, Dave Betts. Yeah. I just want everyone to know how wonderful he is and how proud I am of him and the work he's doing to get the word out there about the help for people that are contemplating suicide or need help in that department. And I think we all know a little bit about Dave. And I want you guys to be proud of your dad and your mom too. They're wonderful people. I'm all done. You're wonderful. You're welcome. I'm proud of them too. And I'm so glad that things have changed our city for the better. Amen. They sure are. I just, I just want to share for the listeners um, that uh, Captain Dave Betts is uh, on the Chelsea Police Department. He's dad of Cameron and Kayla, who are on tonight. Um, he lost his son uh, to suicide. Um, his son David, but he has become such a huge advocate for um, mental health and suicide awareness um, all over, doing speeches and. 
all sorts of different uh, workshops um, to create awareness. But he also um, also brought in the 988 um, decals all over Chelsea. Um, they're on all our police cars. It's the first department in Massachusetts to have 988 uh, decals on their cars. And uh, not only for first responders awareness, but also for um, civilians, like a regular Joe Soap like you or me, um, being able to see 988 on a police car. Um, and if you're struggling, um, well, and who better to be able to see that number is on a police car where they're available. They're all around 24 hours a day. So, um, and Dave Beth spearheaded that. So, yeah, he's doing some great, great things um, out there in the world of helping others for sure. Guys, it has been an honor and a privilege to take part in this conversation with you. Thank you all so much uh, for sharing your experience and in a lot of ways your strength. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it was hard um, for some of you to be able to share um, your loved one, but I do thank you for sharing a bit about yourselves with us and, you know, your sibling. Um, who have you lost with us? Um, I think it's important to get that message out there um, that you are a sibling. You are not invisible. Um, you are seen. We see you. And um, I'm hoping that you can turn your energy into something, doing something positive in honor of your loved one um, going forward. So thank you so much, guys, for coming on tonight. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.